Hi everybody, Michael Davis here and welcome to Bone to Pick. Uh, as we wind down 2017, I just wanted to take a quick second to wish everybody the happiest of holidays and also extend a big thank you for uh, all your support uh, of Hip Bone Music and our Bone to Pick series. As many of you know, we're trying to kind of expand the series a bit uh, in addition to uh, brass players and still maintaining a focus on brass. We're, we're adding some uh, interesting elements. This year we interviewed Eric E. Wazen, the great composer, uh, Dennis McCrell, Dick Oates, some uh, interesting folks to say the least. We've also, over the years, uh, interviewed extraordinary business people who have a passion and an interest in music. And our artist for the month of December, as we close out our year, uh, is exactly that gentleman, the great Ted Hall. Uh, Ted had tremendous success early on in his career and life, uh, working in the world of finance in the Bay Area. Uh, in the late 1980s, he and his wife Laddie uh, started their own winery, which has gone on to become one of the most successful wineries in the Napa Valley, Long Meadow Ranch. Uh, that also grew into an actual ranch and a farm, uh, and, and now they've started, a, or it's been in existence for a while now, a wonderful restaurant in St. Helena called Farmstead. Had the good fortune of eating there this past summer, and it is remarkable. Definitely check it out when you're uh, in the Napa Valley. Uh, all, the, all the while, Ted uh, had a passion and, a, and support for the arts. He's given a tremendous amount, both financially and of his time. Uh, he was on the board of directors of the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra and a, an extremely important person in the development of the SF Jazz Collective and, uh, and the SF Jazz Center, which is now one of the, uh, the most beautiful uh, and uh, respected concert halls for jazz anywhere in the world. So uh, Ted has definitely walked the walk and, and given back to the music community uh, in, in extremely significant ways. I'm pleased to report that Ted is a, is a passionate trombone player. Uh, he purchased a couple of the Michael Davis signature trombones this past summer for himself and his brother, so we're, we're grateful for that. And speaking of gratitude, I think this time of year is uh, it's a great time to reflect on our lives and, and what's going on right now. And uh, Ted and Laddie uh, just uh, came through the, the Napa-Sonoma Valley um, fires that just happened, these devastating fires uh, took place a few weeks ago. And I'm super happy to report that their winery and residence was saved. Largely to their resourcefulness, they built fire breaks around their property. Um, through the help of their staff and, and their family and friends, and uh, they were able to, to endure and, and make it through that. So we're so happy for them, and it teaches us uh, you know, how tenuous things are. So I think, uh, especially this time of the year, so important to be, uh, to be grateful for things. We are grateful for you for uh, following our series. Thank you so much. Uh, we are going to have uh, lots of great guests coming up in 2018, so stay tuned. We'll keep them coming. And uh, once again, happy holidays to everyone. Hi everybody, Michael Davis here. Welcome to Bone to Pick, and we are in for an incredible treat today. As many of you know, um, over the years we've done interviews with uh, incredible business people who also have an incredible passion for music, and uh, that's exactly what we're, we're in for today, an incredible gentleman uh, who has created so many things on so many levels, and we're uh, going to get a chance to pick his brain a little bit today. We're very grateful for his time. Uh, we're coming to you today from the Long Meadow Ranch here in gorgeous Napa Valley and the winery that is a part of it and uh, the gentleman I'm speaking of is the great Ted Hall. Ted, thank you so much for taking time out of your great to be here, insanely busy schedule. Very happy to be here. You know, you've done so many things over the years. You've uh, impressive degrees early on at Princeton and Stanford. You also uh, were an integral part of McKinsey Consulting, obviously a very hugely successful company. But really it seems like your pride and joy is what you've 
created here? Maybe you can just give us an introduction to uh, to what, what what you created here. Well, you know, most of the things I've done over my life have been uh, over a long period being very persistent. So I grew up on a small farm in western Pennsylvania. My mother was an organic gardening pioneer. Uh, I suddenly found myself uh, out of the Marine Corps, starting at Stanford, met some interesting people uh, who were involved in the formation of Ridge Vineyards in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and was inspired by one of the founding uh, families, uh, David Benyon. And so I started making wine in 1971. Uh, and uh, here I am, uh, 46 years later, still making wine. Uh, so this is not exactly uh, a new endeavor. Sure. Uh, we made wine for 17 years uh, as large-scale amateurs while I was pursuing uh, a career at McKinsey and also playing some music on the side. Uh, we decided to, to pursue it more seriously in the mid-80s, landed here at Longmeadow Ranch in 1989, uh, and so we've been here uh, 28 years. Uh, we recovered... Uh, uh, this property from uh, abandonment. It had been abandoned with prohibition, uh, even though it was a historic property that was actually claimed from the U.S. government in 1872 by a pioneer named E.J. Church. And uh, E.J. Church uh, uh, claimed 640 acres uh, of surplus government property by claiming and promising to improve it over five years. Okay. And uh, planted grapes and olives, and here we are. And in fact, this bottle of wine is our reserve Cabernet, and it is E.J. Church. Nice. It's actually his signature from the original <laughs> deed. And what's even cooler about it, the original deed is signed E.J. Church and Ulysses S. Grant, President of the United States. Wow, that is awesome. Well, I haven't uh, sampled this, but uh, in addition to being an incredible businessman and uh, entrepreneur, also one of the most generous people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Last night, Ted had us over to his uh, gorgeous home, and we sampled uh, many uh, extraordinary wines. So uh, thank you for that. Um, you are a very accomplished trombonist and uh, now a proud owner of the Michael Davis Plus Travel, yes. which I'm thrilled that you are. Um, and we're looking forward to playing tomorrow at the, uh, the San Jose Jazz Festival together. We're here today to uh, continue our concert series, our chairman of the Bone Concert Series, bringing together uh, great trombonists like Mark Mark Lawrence and San Francisco Symphony, Paul Welcomer, folks like yourself, Dan Gordon, Amy Sallow, who are all successful in the business world, but also the passion for trombone. Last night, it was so great talking to you about all the things that you've done in music and what I'd love to ask you, because a lot of the reason we do these interviews is for, for younger folks that are trying to find their way in the music business. And I know for me, it's changed so dramatically in my career. And, um, and I'm still trying to figure out you know, what the best moves are. And, and I'm sure you deal with that in your own business, but certainly you've done that in music as well. Just to give folks a little bit of his background, he was on the board of directors of San Francisco Symphony, very important member of the, uh, the team starting SF Jazz, which has gone on to be such an incredible uh, organization. Um, and also founder and president of Monarch Records, recorded a number of incredible artists from Cedar Walton to Art Farmer. Really what you've done in the music world alone would be uh, a career. So um, can you just share your thoughts about how you look at things for, um, for young people in general, but specifically how you see uh, music being a part of, of what somebody might want to do uh, professionally or, or at least 
as part of their part of their portfolio, so to speak. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard, as we all know. Uh, my approach has been uh, uh, always to be doing music and something else, uh, uh, being able to follow my passion and continue it and manage it and uh, take advantage of opportunity when it when it occurred. Most of my successful music uh, colleagues today are educators uh, uh, or have uh, other adjunct businesses, publishing or related uh, components. Uh, I've been able to continue my interest in music and which is, I'm sure, lengthened my life, made me healthier, uh, happier, uh, but always, uh, uh, always doing something else. I led a 17-piece big band in San Francisco while I was a young partner at McKinsey and Company. And people thought I was crazy, but in many ways, I learned as much about human behavior, team building, uh, keeping your ego in check uh, from playing uh, in that ensemble, which actually extended my business career uh, because of the insights I gained. You know, the, the, uh, the lead trombone in that band was uh, uh, worked the night shift at Rincon Addicts in San Francisco which is the post office, okay. right? And uh, it met, didn't matter at all that I had an MBA from Stanford and an undergraduate degree from Princeton, and I was in the trombone section. He was the man, <laughs> right? right? And, and so you learn to uh, respect uh, other people. I, I view, I, for me, music has been a way of life uh, and a uh, approach to, it uh, provides values about how to live your life, uh, which, makes you successful. I mean, it isn't all about making money. Uh, uh, it's about living your life well, and music's an essential part of it. Mm -hmm. And I've, I have viewed that uh, throughout. So it's continued on to when we founded our record label, or uh, today when I get to uh, do occasional gigs with guys like you. It's great. Yeah, very cool. Um, I just want to ask you specifically about a couple of people because I know you sure. recorded Art Farmer and Cedar Walton, who I'm a giant fan of both of those. Do you have any memories about what those uh, those sessions were like? Well, we recorded. I'll never forget the Art Farmer recording. Uh, we recorded him live at Stanford uh, in a Memorial Auditorium, and uh, the uh, producer of that. I I was sort of producer uh, with another guy named Frank Doherty, who had been. Uh, Art Blakey's uh, uh, producer. He won four Grammys with Art Blakey. Wow. It's this wonderful guy, uh, Frank Doherty. And the only place we could set up to set up our control room was in the women's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had all of our gear and all of our all of our, our instruments and so on. And Frank and I were laying on the floor in the women's bathroom, <laughs> uh, dialing in as Art was performing uh, on stage. That was an amazing evening. It was Harold Land, uh -huh, sure. uh, Tootie Heath, uh, Rufus Reed, uh, and uh, Art Farmer. It was just a, a, a wonderful experience. That's a good event of that. So. Yeah, and then we recorded, we recorded uh, uh, Cedar at um, uh, Yoshi's in Oakland, also live. Mm -hmm. Billy Higgins on the drums. Mm -hmm. I think that was also Rufus Reed on the on the bass. I view the recording we did is called Ironclad as the definitive P 
piano trio recording. It's mm -hmm. remarkable. Uh, and he opens and closes that that uh, that recording with this tune, Ironclad. It was it was great. Cedar was a uh, had played with so many people, uh, and uh, it was like every time he played, uh, he was channeling, uh, you know, like the whole canon of jazz. Right. Uh, it's remarkable, remarkable man in that in that regard, and really without any. Uh, 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 big ego, which is yeah. all, what I also loved about him. Yeah, I remember when I when I first got on Buddy Rich's band, our first tour was with, uh, in the UK for about a month, and our first week was at Ronnie Scott's. Yes, and so we would uh, get to and and Cedar was there, kind of on a, a little bit of the same tours we were in. Uh, we got to hear him about a half dozen times, and it was just and what a gentleman too. I mean, it was just like total gentleman. I just want to be and, like. And Cedar. In fact, that was also I, somehow that we. We either attracted them, or those were the only artists that we really wanted to work with. Were people of that of that temperament? Billy Higgins was an amazing drummer. He, every second when he was playing, he was smiling. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's so much joy in the way he played. Yeah, it's, 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 it's sad, right. sad that he's not no longer uh, with us. Both of them are gone. What was the uh, you know SF Jazz has turned into such an amazing program, not just for the Bay Area but internationally for sure, and and. Uh, on so many levels, education-wise, uh, obviously the work that the, uh, the the ensemble does on a regular basis, touring and the work, and then and now the new hall here. What was that? What are your memories about the the, the beginning? Of well, the Randall that? Klein is the uh, was the the real founder. It used to be called Jazz in the City. Actually, started in San Jose, moved to San Francisco, and he had passionate vision, uh, great skill at curating. Programs. He's a bass player himself, but uh, not of the, the purest professional level. Uh, and uh, uh, frankly, there, this may be interesting to others. Is there it, in the early uh, '90s uh, there was the initiative to try to uh, create a sustainable platform for jazz, both in in the West but also in the East, led by. Uh, Winton, mm -hmm. uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center. Sure. And uh, at that time, there was actually a pretty uh, uh, major intellectual uh, conflict between uh, Randall and us on the West Coast and Winton and others on the East Coast, hmm. much of which has been dissipated. But Winton had the view that the only way you could be a jazz musician, you had to know the canon. You had to know the canon, and you had to respect the canon, and the only way you could give respect to the canon is play the phrases exactly the same and in great precision. And, of course, that makes some great sense. But our West Coast view was that jazz is a living medium and that uh, for it to continue uh, to be an improvisational medium as it is, but for it to continue, it had to continue to evolve. And that we needed to take some responsibility for uh, allowing that to occur. So uh, uh, education was an important part early on, but we made, took the big step to create the SF Jazz Collective, uh, which was uh, artists and residents, uh, uh, a band that made up, was made up of uh, seven generally, uh, who uh, we commissioned to, to create all new work. Uh, in a subtle nod to the East, uh, it was often in honor of uh, 
a jazz great mm -hmm. Thelonious Monk, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, so the formation of the SF Jazz Collective, uh, the commitment to actually record it, uh, and then to uh, uh, underwrite those guys touring was a big part of the creative energy. The early uh, inspiration for that was Joshua Redman, mm -hmm. uh, who had grown up here in the Bay Area, gone to Berkeley High School, uh, and uh, he and Randall had great vision and passion about that. Uh, and then um, uh, Randall, but the board came to realize that um, the way to uh, attract great musicians is to have a great place to play. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was, and we were ruthless about designing a facility that would uh, be the, the closest thing to, to uh, the best place on the planet that we could uh, possibly do. And so it ended up with a 600 seat auditorium with acoustics that are entirely uh, natural. Uh, you can do an acoustic jazz performance in that, in that hall. And I now hear, I go to, to um, uh, many concerts and always the comment, right, is this is the best place I've ever played. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I recently saw Chick Corea, his trio, and it was like going to church, by the way. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was the first thing Chick said, you know, in, in the first time he started to speak. He just said, he said, this is the most amazing place I've played. And he said, and you know, I've played everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, so then what magically happened, and this was unexpected, was SF Jazz had uh, members, a membership, uh, but the programming was so good, the hall was so good, um, in a matter of 12 months, the membership of SF Jazz tripled. And it's now probably five times larger than it was before the hall opened, uh, which has created this base of enthusiastic support. Uh, almost all of those members are people that want to come to concerts, but because they also are donors, they've created a, a, a funding stream that frankly none of us expected. We thought we were going to have to raise a large endowment uh, to be able to sustain it. And, and ironically, we've created an endowment, but it's the people that love jazz. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Wow, what an incredible blueprint you've given to, you know, obviously you guys created, but it, and, and, and Lincoln Center as well with one in New York, but gives a lot of inspiration to smaller communities to try to do some, maybe not on the same scope, but what a blueprint to, to, to be able to try to follow. Well, and you know, that's, that what amazes me is this country's filled with great, talented young musicians. Absolutely. They need a place to play. Uh, they need a place to be heard. They need a place to get exposure to people that have lived the life of other things and then they pass it on. And uh, uh, the, the uh, SF Jazz uh, uh, education programs are uh, extremely rich. And like the, you know, the, what Winton has done in New York is really astonishing with his national uh, high school yeah. uh, ensemble contest, right? Yeah, and that's that's lifted the the, the playing level of of dozens and dozens and dozens of schools, even those that don't even get very far in the competition because at least they tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely. And they and they got to hear the the uh, 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 the master tape, if you will, and work those charts. Yeah, and 
of course, there are always charts from the camera. Yeah, of course, of course. And the most important thing, SFJS collecting, you have to have a trombone. And you guys yes, have a very good one, Rob, and you mean, so we, we do, that's, uh, that's key. So, do. Ted, you've been so generous to give us some of your time and for hosting this event today. Um, kind of in closing, and I know this is a little bit of a cliche question, you've had such incredible success and you're such an inspiration to all of us on so many levels. If you had to pare it down to just a couple key things of advice that you would give to, to young folks, whether they're musicians or not, what, if you look back and say, well, these were the key things that helped me get to where I'm at. Well, I mean, it, it, this is probably a cliche that in our family, right, I, I'll tell you two things quickly, is in our family, uh, the, the, the mantra is tell the truth and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's funny how that works out over time. Uh, I, I think the thing that has distinguished what I have been able to accomplish is uh, today it seems like a lot, but I've been very persistent and followed my passion uh, and just been diligent about it and uh, not been uh, intimidated or uh, uh, deterred. Uh, when it was seemingly crazy or unpopular, and uh, uh, and so, uh, especially uh, as a musician, um, you know this old thing about the ten thousand hours. Mm -hmm. You do have to do your ten thousand hours. Do, you put them in. That's it. You do have to do your ten thousand <laughs> hours, and it's easiest if you do them when you're in high school and in college. You know, but the truth is, I I stopped performing from. In the mid '80s until uh, 2011, I think, and uh, I played a few times. And people ask me, "How in the world can you do it?" I said, "Well, I'm not sure I can, but uh, <laughs> but the, the the but my more serious answer is, I did my 10,000 hours, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And uh, um, so that speaks to uh, diligence, persistence, um, and hopefully you get satisfaction and joy out of it. That's awesome. Ted, thank you so much. You're thanks thanks for everything you do You're for the welcome. music world and, uh, and the incredible, uh, we should tell everybody, if you're ever fortunate enough to come to St. Helena, make sure you come to uh, Longmeadow Ranch. It's uh, an incredible, incredible place. So thank you, Ted Hall. I hope you guys got as much out of uh, hearing Ted talk as I did, and we'll catch you all next time on Bone to Pick. <laughs>